I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Real Estate for Life. If you're thinking about buying or selling a home or moving to a more family-friendly or Christian area, please consider going to realestateforlife.org. They will pair you with expert real estate professionals who share your faith, and they will also contribute a portion of their commission to a pro-life charity of your choice, all at no cost to you. So to connect with a pro-life realtor, please visit realestateforlife.org or call them at 1-877-LIFE-US-1. All right, y'all, what's going on? Welcome back to A Reason for Hope Candid. This is Jack. We have Alanis and Ryan from the Array of Hope crew. Right. And we have Pete Barak here today with us. Pete Barak from Renewal Ministries. What's going on, man? Hey, it's good to be here. This is fun. <laughs> Yeah, thanks again for being here, man. My uh, pleasure. Really appreciate it. Um, so, Pete, if if you don't know, uh, Pete is vice president of Renewal Ministries, which was co-founded by Dr. Ralph Martin, right? That's right, yep. He's the director of ID, Intentional Disciples, uh, the young adult outreach of Renewal Ministries. <clears throat> He's a graduate of Franciscan University of Steubenville and has a master's degree in theology from Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, Michigan. And we were talking about this before we started rolling. Uh, that that was a lot of work for you with your family, your five <laughs> kids, right? Yeah, I'm glad it's done. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how you doing? You just like, you just put your head down. Yeah, don't sleep. <laughs> don't <laughs> sleep, <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's the key, man. Um, and so Pete is also a great, a great and frequent speaker on discipleship, evangelization, young adult topics, um, and yeah, I, I actually watched one of your talks, uh, last night. It was, it was fantastic, bro. Um, mm. it was the, uh, the death cycle of the, mm. of the youth, the young adult ministry, the yeah. young adult ministry. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, before we get into that, cause I, I want to get into that. Great. That's a great title, right? Mm. Um, can you just tell us about renewal ministries? Can you tell us about the mission and the vision of renewal ministries and, and your role in it? More, more about your role and, and how you became involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Thanks for asking. It's good to be with you guys. Um, Renewal Ministries, very, very simply put, is about helping people meet Jesus. Uh, we just had a staff meeting just the other day and Ralph was just sharing again his heart. So Ralph Martin, the guy who, who founded it in the early 80s, uh, where it came from was just this call to help people meet the full Jesus, the the Jesus of the Gospels, uh, certainly in the heart of the Catholic Church, and the power of the Holy Spirit was the, the goal. And um, yeah, we just feel very convicted that the world needs to to hear and to respond to the full gospel, the the kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? The, the, the full charisma, the full gospel message of, yes, we were dead in our sins, but we've been made alive in Jesus Christ, that we were once sons and daughters of wrath, and now we are sons and daughters of God, and that there really is a heaven, and there really is a hell, and it really does matter what we believe and how we respond to the grace that our, our Lord and Savior offers to us. And so, um, that takes a variety of forms. At the heart of who we are is this this message that we feel like the Lord's put inside of us. And then it, there's a bunch of different methods that, of which it's expressed. We do, uh, we have a TV show, we have some radio programs, some podcasts, a lot of different kind of proclamation type moments, a lot of preaching and teaching. Um, we have a ministry for high school girls called Beloved Revolution. A ministry for high school boys called Forged, a ministry for young adults called ID, and then a bunch of just international missions that we've done over the years. Uh, we work in, in a typical year, about 30 different countries doing short-term 
preaching and teaching uh, with priests and bishops and whoever the Lord brings us to. And so we're just kind of trying to follow where the Spirit's going. Um, we don't have like a grand plan, you know, it's very much just like when the Lord opens the door, we try to go through it and not run into the wall and uh, <laughs> just be wide open to what he's doing really. But at the core of it is just helping people encounter the Lord and make a decision to follow him. And then as much as we can support them in that decision. Now, when you go international and mm-hmm. you do the retreats or the programs, the events internationally, how long is that short term period? Every, every trip's a little different. It's usually like a week to two weeks, something like that. And so uh, everywhere we work, it's, it's, it's a bishop invites us in to do either like a conference for their priests or a series of events. And we have uh, these incredible men and women that are part of our team called country coordinators who live all over the world, who often have one or two countries that they're kind of responsible for, that they are working in an ongoing way. Um, one of our one of my favorite missions is we go to Mexico City every year, uh, every 12 weeks actually, to serve the people in the garbage dumps outside the city. So there are these wow. hundreds of people who live in literally miles of garbage that the government doesn't recognize as human beings really. And so we come down with a doctor and we, we give food and set up a medical clinic and pray with the people. And we've developed relationships with the people over the years to celebrate mass in the dump and just, uh, be a a ministry of presence as much as masses there. Yeah. So there's a, a couple different priests that we've partnered with on the ground and then sometimes priests come with us and, uh, it's been a great kind of doorway mission for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't ready to like go to Uganda and preach to a room full of 300 priests, right? Yeah. But uh, to be able to come and serve the poor and to be with them and to meet Jesus in them and and ha- have hopefully us bring Jesus to them as well. It's a, it's a beautiful relationship down there. Um, and so we bring a lot of young people down there, a lot of young adults. And it's, um, yeah, but, but most of the trips are of that kind of variety of a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching, and then some more corporal works of mercy as well. Yeah, wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the bishops kind of bring Yeah, all bring by in. invitation. Yeah, yeah, we don't wow, we don't yeah. actually knock on any doors or really? anything. It's it's like uh we Ralph and Peter Herbeck, the executive vice president, who was kind of his right-hand man through the beginning of this, um and a woman named Sister Ann Shields were the three that kind of launched right. the ministry. Um they felt very strongly at the beginning that this was not something that we were going to try to like generate per se mm-hmm. yeah. of just like when a bishop wants us to come in then we come in and uh and that's led to literally every corner of the earth and uh, we keep doing it that way well it must be very effective I'm, uh, as you know uh your witness is is testifying to um especially with all these inv- invitations yeah. um can you tell us a little bit more about id yeah sure yeah, that's that's the thing I'm really passionate about. When did it start? When did it become part of Renewal Ministries? Yeah, so uh, that was unofficially in 2011, and then very formally in 2013. So I had graduated from Franciscan University and was trying to figure out what to do with my life and uh, really felt called to help people meet Jesus, which is not exactly a career path, especially when you're married or about to be married, <laughs> you know, for a young Catholic guy, you know. Yeah. I was like, ah, right, what do we do with this? So... Uh, Renewal Ministries, I'd known the guys, uh, Ralph and Peter, my whole life because we went to the same parish. My parents were part of the community that they had formed back in the day. And so it was like, well, I'll sit down with Peter one day and said, hey, you know, um, I've always kind of wanted to be you. Uh, Is there any room for me in Renewal Ministries? And he like leaned back and he was like, well, 
not really, but let's pray about it and see what the Lord wants to do. And so through a series of very fortunate events, I ended up uh, getting a job at a little Catholic school as a gym teacher and athletic director. And the sister, Sister John Dominic, a Dominican sister who hired me, she gave me Fridays off to work with Renewal and to build a ministry. And so for an entire year, I spent... um, basically just learning from Peter, praying together. We just were were dreaming and praying, dreaming and praying every Friday. And out of that prayer, uh, what emerged was this, I guess the best way to put it would be like a a heartbreak, uh, an ache for my generation. I was looking at my friends and cousins and all sorts of people who had been raised in the faith who had had, had left. Like millennials kind of? Yeah, millennials, especially kind of at that time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it was just like this, like, oh, what could we do to help them actually encounter the Lord and live for him? And and then I, we started surveying the church and it was like, okay, there's lots of high school ministries and there's lots of campus ministries, but there's just kind of a nothing often in parish life for people in their 20s and 30s. It's kind of like this assumption that, oh, well, once you get married and have kids, then then we'll have something for you, you know, if you send them to the school or something like that. And so we set out on a, a course to try to do something about that. And that's what ID has been doing basically ever since. We've We've made lots of mistakes and learned a lot about what doesn't work um, and continue to do so. <laughs> uh, but the the nut, the nut kind of the nuts and bolts of it, like right at the heart of it is how do we help a young adult become an intentional disciple of Jesus Christ? And so the main way we do that is we partner with leaders around the world now who, um, and kind of in a consulting kind of partnership where we can't do it. I'm not the one anointed to build the kingdom in New Jersey right? I don't live here. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I love walking alongside and helping people who do live in a particular area step into their anointing and respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing in them. And so that's, we have a a model and a framework that we help people go through all with the end goal of a, as Pope Francis called it, a community of missionary disciples, people who really know what it means to be a disciple, who are living in communion, real authentic relationship with other disciples, but not just for the sake of themselves, but for the sake of those who don't know him to mm-hmm. really actually be activated in seeping into every crack and crevice of society to bring the gospel to people. Was that tough for you? I mean, graduating college, making this career choice, you know, you mentioned friends and cousins and stuff like that kind of falling away. Was, was there any kind of discussion, you know, at, that happens like when you graduate, people are like, Oh, what are you doing? Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I do this. Then when you were like, Hey, I'm, I'm working at a Catholic school and I'm working with this ministry. Was there kind of that awkward, is that when you kind of saw the line in, in the sand between you and your friends and certain family members? Um, what were those conversations like? And then how has it changed over time, if, it, if yeah. at all? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, to some extent, um, I think most people in polite society just kind of give you the passive like, oh, yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, you do you, right, you know, right. kind of thing. Like, yeah, 100%. Right, right. There wasn't a lot yeah. of like, I can't believe you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Right, you know? right. Mostly because they didn't either understand or they didn't, they loved me enough not to like have that moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah, this, certainly there's been some various, I, I know, use our favorite word in our generation, awkward moments, right? Of like people trying to figure it out and like, so wait, what exactly do you do? You know, and why do you do it? And right, yeah. But I love that because then it's like, when people ask me what I do, it's the perfect in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. well, let me tell you. you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And <laughs> yeah. then, um, but generally speaking, I tried not to it, not to use it as just like a preaching at them moment, but to, if there's a genuine curiosity, well, then let's talk about it. And I'd love to invite you into it. And I think the, the 
I think probably the main reason there hasn't been a lot of like real pushback um, is a they just don't care, which is like a lot of what our generation they just like they look at the church and they're just like meh, whatever. Like you're not relevant, so I don't even have a strong opinion about you because you just there's no reason for me to care about what you're doing. Right. And then the second thing is, I and I've had several of them say this to me, and then I hope this doesn't come off as prideful, but like I'm really trying to live it. Mm-hmm. like an authentic way. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not good at it. Right. Like there's plenty of times where I'm like, wow, that it was not what I, how I <laughs> wanted to act. Right. But there's a consistency of like, what I say, I believe is born out in how we're living. And so even I have a friend who is, you know, very, very different ideologically spiritual. I mean, he is at the complete opposite spectrum of belief systems, but there's a mutual respect because one of the things he sees is like, yeah, you say all these things, but you actually are trying to then live it yeah, yeah. Cons- in a consistent, authentic way, which, again, for our generation is a really critical thing. Like, we have such a radar for BS, don't right. we? Like, yeah, we know when somebody's yeah. like, you say this, but you don't even come close to it. Right, right. So at least, even if I don't like what you say, if, at least if it's borne out in some sort of consist- consistent behavior mm-hmm. that is tied to it, well, at least we can have some level of understanding and respect there. So I think that's been one of the ways that I've been able to navigate that. Mm. Wow. Why, why do you think the our generation, the, the millennial generation, and even the Gen Z generation thinks that the church is not relevant? Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it'd be fun to unpack. The first one that came to mind is like, um, do you know anyone who's cool, who like tells you they're cool? You know what I mean? Like who, who, like in high school, <laughs> the kid was like, man, I'm so cool. Nobody thinks they're cool. Right. Like that, like if you try, if you say you're relevant, you end up not being relevant. Uh, and yeah. so like the more the church has tried to be relevant, I think the more we're not like there's a, there's a, there's a strategy for, um, kind of like utilizing the, the frameworks of the world like this. I mean, this is awesome. Like this is not us trying Ooh. to be relevant. Mm-hmm. This is us trying to be authentically ourselves utilizing the resources and the tech and the the platforms that the world offers us. It's the difference is like, I mean, how many youth groups back in the day were just like, let's, let's try to win these kids with cool (laughs) or win these kids with fun. Right. It's like the church is is never going to be as fun. You know, the church is never going to be as fun as the world. And that's one of the things young adult groups do all the time. It's like, they try to set up these things as if young adults don't know how to have like a good time on their own. So when you try to compete with the world on fun, you're going to lose every time. Mm. Yeah. Now, yeah. if you if you go deeper and you say like yeah. you will have fun, but that's a byproduct of some other thing, then that's a totally different thing that I'm talking about. So like when we throw a retreat for young adults, I'm not promoting it as like come have a great time with us. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm like come let's let's deal with the stuff going on in your life. Let's yeah. let's help you grow as a human and as a disciple and help you uh, be healed and move in a different or whatever the retreat is for. And we know that you bring a bunch of people together and create these environments. It's going to be a good time, sure, but it's yeah. not, we're not trying to be relevant. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be real and we're trying to be and meet them where they are in a way that um, doesn't actually divorce us from what we truly believe either. And right, that's, right. so whenever we try to like shave off the edges of the gospel, then the salt loses its taste and the light goes dim. And what did Jesus say about that? When the salt loses taste, what's it good for? Yeah. Not much. Mm-hmm. Throw it be away. thrown out and yeah. be trampled on. When the light goes dim, uh, that's not, that's not helpful and that's not healthy. And that's not what the church exists to be. And so I think a lot of 
uh, our generation has actually never been brought to uh, decision points related to the faith. And so if you've never been brought to a decision point, then you don't, you've never had to make a choice as to kind of how you feel about something, which then means you probably, the, the no choice is just going to be the, the kind of drift away. The vast majority of the people in our generation who have left would say they just kind of stopped. Yeah. They just kind of, in mm-hmm. college or something. Right. Yeah, that was me in college. Yeah, I just, got, yeah. I'm, I just kind of stopped going. Mm-hmm. And I realized everything was okay. Yeah, nothing <laughs> you know, changed. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was all right. And uh, I mean, I, I remember distinctly one time I asked a cousin of mine, kind of like who, who had left the faith, like, why? And he said, Pete, just because nobody ever asked me if I believed it. Hmm. They, you know, I got baptized and did the the first communion and confirmation. It was just kind of this, yeah. we're just doing this thing. And not at a single time did anyone bring them to a decision point to say like, do you believe this or do you not? And if you look at the gospels, Jesus is constantly bringing people to decision points. The way he preaches, the way he lives is kind of like either you believe and follow him or you want to kill him. Right, right, It's right. like there's not a lot of middle ground in the, the, the church. When the church is healthiest, she's bringing people to faith or people are like, yeah, this yeah. is a problem. Like this is this is too much. We got to do something about that. And you look at the church in America, we just we just hardly have any of those moments. You know, we have very few moments where it feels like the church is actually standing in her full authority, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming a message that is totally relevant to the world's condition, but also completely countercultural because that's what the church, that's what the gospel is supposed to be. Relevant to every people, but coming, it's a, as a clash of kingdoms. Yeah. And we just don't see a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the, the Lord liar lunatic. Yeah. 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 Argument. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. You either accept him or, or yeah, you want to, you want to kill him. Um, there's really no, or there shouldn't be a middle ground, essentially. And people can be on a journey, right? There's, and, and like as Catholics too, we're not, we're not like a one decision that's final people, right? You have to keep making the decision. It's not just like, oh yes, because I chose for him once, right, now yeah. I'm set. Oh no, it's every day. Like, every day, right. every day. And so that's, but that's where the gospel is most alive is when the, the people of God, the body of Christ on the earth are um, not only professing what they believe, not only like thinking what they believe, but that you can see it in a life. Yeah. You can see it in the joy. The fruits of the spirit in Galatians are actually present in people's lives. Like I love the point you brought up about uh, the decision points mm-hmm. and and wanting to or needing to bring people to that point through spiritual conversations. I I, I think it was Curtis Martin I heard say, uh founder of Focus yeah. heard say it's like their their focus is to just bring people to spiritual conversations. Which it seems like you know, you do not only in your ministry, but when people just kind of ask you what you do, like, hey, what do you do? Well, you know, here, here it is. And then you enter into a spiritual conversation. And it's a discernment, like, how that how that conversation is going to go because the person may be receptive or not. But that is so key, man. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, is um, in so many other aspects of our lives, we have z- no problem disagreeing with people and <laughs> and being very passionate about what we believe like yeah. even before this this podcast started right like ab was like i think i'm gonna have to leave the room because yeah, i'm a penn state guy yeah and I, like he didn't have any problem saying that did he <laughs> it wasn't like uh, there was any threat right. of like hey how dare you you know yeah. and i was like yeah as a michigan guy like yeah let's go that's no problem you know <laughs> yeah. and um or like when we see a show that we love we tell everyone about it or and we don't care if people are like no that's not really messed up like no you would love this you know like yeah. we are or like you learn something about parenting and then all the other young parents in your group learn about it because you learned it like mm. there's so many things in life that are completely acceptable being 
very out there with it. And then as soon as it comes to Jesus, we're like, you know, like, yeah. how could I possibly talk about him? Like, it's in like relativ relativism. It's the effects of relativism, yeah. really. It's like not wanting to offend someone on their spiritual archetype beliefs, you know? Mm -hmm. And then everything has equal value uh, in terms of spirituality and whatnot. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. oh, good for you, man. You're, you're working for the church. Cool. Hey, if it makes you happy, that's great. This person over here is going to be, you know, believes in uh, rocks and it's like cool yeah, yeah, you're still yeah. doing the pet rock thing yeah. awesome cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. awesome keep it alive man it makes you happy it's yeah. great <laughs> and then and materialism also like it, there's just like yeah there's there's kind of you know you kind of look at the world and technology and it's like there's cars and phones and apps and stuff like that and it almost seems like religion seems stupid in com you're like wait but if this is so real and so advanced why are we continually talking about this old thing mm. and it's only one book you know i mean harry potter's got like seven five books like that <laughs> like you're just you keep returning to the one book it's like mm, aren't there more you yeah. know and, and and so it just seems so it, it shouldn't it seems so out of place mm -hmm. in a society where we have all this technology and no time for stillness no time to even make a decision of what you want to eat for dinner it's kind of like ah, oh, that fine um so we're limited with the amount of time we have even just to be. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether it's even going to the bathroom, it's like, oh, I left my phone. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and it's like, just go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, nah. <laughs> or I'm going to take a shower, but I left my phone. I can't listen to music while I'm showering. What this is? What a waste of time. Yeah. It's like, no, you go in there, be quiet, get clean, and, and hopefully dry off and whatnot. Um, we have to be stimulated. We, like yeah, we're constantly second. stimulated and... Um, and there's too many options for things, and it's, it makes it impossible to know what option is right, what streaming service is right for you. Um, oh, you like Apple Plus? Cool, that's great. I, I like Netflix. You know, it, there's there's no opportunity to figure out what is what is the right thing. And, and so many people, to what you're saying before, of like, oh, you would love this. I think that's another thing of anytime I hear that, I go, no, I won't. That's like a red flag for me. Like, oh, Ryan, you got to watch. Yeah, yeah. You got to watch the show. You'd love it. And right away, I'm like, oh, yeah. And like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, no way. Like, you think, how would you know like that I would like this? And mm. I think that happens a lot of times with with religion. It's mm. it's like, you would love this. And it's mm. like, you 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 know, you would love this. It would, it would bring so much joy. And you're kind of like, right, right. Like, yeah. says the guy who watches blacklist yeah <laughs> <laughs> like yeah yeah you, you really high value of taste there. <laughs> wow, shots fired on blacklist <laughs> <laughs> i'm always saying because that's just the only show that i know that that you watch right oh, the you, only you, one? You watch it? Oh. i stopped watching it i don't know where i was going with this but i think it's it's more like opportunities of of quiet and stillness sure and then you know, to your point of of not, it's always an invitation. It's not like we're going out being like, hey, you know, you need this, you need this. It's hey, like, if we're called to go somewhere, then then great. And if you want to ask me, then then great. Then that opens the door. It's not like forcing your way through yeah. the door in a way. It, it's tough too, because uh, something I was reflecting on last night, um, it's a tough message to preach nowadays um, or to to call people to. Um, and what I was reminded of last night was a uh, part, uh, an excerpt from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, which I have not gotten through all the way, but I think it was like third chapter or whatever I got to. And in, in the opening of the chapter, he talks about how the modern evangelist has to essentially preach the diagnosis, original sin, which is the bad news, 
in, in essence, before he can even preach the good news, which is salvation. And because and he makes the point to say, like, the apostles had it slightly different, perhaps, um, because they were preaching to a, a pagan audience, but the, the pagan audience, and this kind of comes back to the world we live in today with all the tech and the science, and it's like, wow, we're so advanced. Why are we baked in? Why are we trying to enter back into spirituality? Like, that's so, like, or the Catholic Church, that's so antiquated. But the, the pagans back then thought, they had this idea of divine wrath. They still had this idea of, you know, whether it, it was it was pagan gods they were worshiping, but there was a divine wrath element that it was like, I, I can't atone for my sins against the pagan gods, and now I'm going to be, you know, smothered or, or cursed. And so the apostles were able to bring this message of salvation to an audience that was perhaps more accepting for it. And so, and now again, it's just it's it's a lot different because it's like we got to preach original sin. The evangelist has to preach original sin before you can win a hearing for the good news of the gospel. Um, how I'm, I'm sure you you experienced this, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Can you can you maybe tell us what you've learned from your uh, evangelizing within, especially within the youth, uh, the the young adult space? Maybe in in relation to that. Yeah, no, that's a very insightful comment and uh, question, and I would agree with it. Uh, I think uh, one of the most effective stories that the world is telling, uh, that is a lie, that even as I'm about to say it will probably make us feel a little uncomfortable, but is that you're good. Right, right, right. You're good, just as you are. Thank you. Yeah, You were born good. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right, yeah, yeah. hang in there. Uh, Go Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> Go Guardians. I don't know. I feel bad about the Guardians and the Blacklist thing. I, the Big Bang Theory. I, <laughs> if, if you think that's funny, sorry. Wait, is he actually a Guardians fan? No. No, no. I, I don't. Go Yanks. I was just trying to think of something that's like, who could be a Guardians fan? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, not to get you. one. Yeah. yeah right? I'm more, uh, more sorry, of an Indians sorry. fan. I like no. the yeah. Indians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. So if you're wondering how you can help this ministry, rating and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help others hear it, as well as sharing it with your friends and your family. So join us in this mission by rating, reviewing, or sharing this episode with someone you think needs to hear it. And we want to thank you for your continued support of A Reason for Hope podcast. We are all called to be good stewards, whether that means making wise financial decisions for our families, for our parishes, or for organizations that we may advise or direct. Owning gold and silver is easy, and we're happy to be partnered with St. Joseph's, who has exclusively focused on helping families protect their wealth in gold and silver for over a decade. Their pricing is very competitive, and their dedicated retirement team was recognized last year as only one of two dealers in the nation who meet the stringent criteria of integrity, value, and dependability by an independent trust company. Take the steps today to protect your family from potential financial stress and allocate some of your hard-earned dollars to gold and silver as good stewards. Go to www.stjosephpartners.com forward slash array of hope to learn how you can protect your loved ones at this important moment in history. Again, that is www.stjosephpartners.com forward slash array of hope. Yeah, so... The idea, though, being like, actually, there's 
there's not a problem with you intrinsically. Whatever is not right in you is is a a problem with something outside of you that's making you this way. So it's it's the patriarchy, or it's it's established mm. religions, or it's it's something something is whatever is restless in you, whatever you don't like about yourself is not a you problem. It's a them problem. I'm actually a victim of everything, and so fundamentally, I don't need a savior because I, there's nothing wrong with me. What needs to change are all these antiquated institutions and everything that want to ruin my weekend, that make me feel bad about myself, that don't allow me to have the fullest expression of freedom as I would define it. Because the other major lie, right, that our society is completely bought into is that uh, the essence of life is to be happy. They're definitely, and we can unpack that a little bit. but, But in order to be happy, I have to be free. And in order to be free, I have to be able to do whatever I want with whomever I want as much as I want. And as long as it's not harming anyone else, which is a loose definition right, of that. Right, yeah. But then where it gets really tricky is it's not only do I have to be free to do it, but I have to be able to define for myself all of this. Like even the Supreme Court uh, uh, ruling um, during the, the gay marriage uh, debate, um, the the final majority decision had in there that like the, to be the freedom is to be able to define one's for oneself the definition of the universe into all this. Like it's not I'm looking outwards to be informed. It's I'm looking inwards to be able to generate for myself who am I? What what am I made for? What does my body reveal about myself? All of that stuff is self generated right now, and where it becomes incredibly damaging is it's not just that I get to live within my own constructed worldview, but you have to agree with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to celebrate it, mm-hmm. and if you don't, that means you hate me. Mm-hmm. So we go down this this kind of rabbit hole of wow, all of a sudden what was once just like I'm deconstructing kind of organized religion and worldviews so that I can be free to, in order to be happy and you all have to participate in this with me. Otherwise, you must hate me. So st- if that's the starting point where most of our generation is, I mean, most of our generation is completely bought into the reality that how I feel about myself is the most real thing. What is most true about me is what I feel. So if I feel a particular way or I feel a particular attraction or I feel a particular instinct about myself, that's true. I think therefore I am. I think I feel therefore I am. Ah, uh, okay. And that's the thing. That's the difference. It's not even the will that's governing this, mm. because like, yeah, 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 feelings are great. Feelings are important. We should, we should, we should absolutely pay attention to our feelings, right? But feelings are horrible leaders. They're wonderful companions. Like you got to have feelings along the journey of life, but you should not be led by them. The the will, a well formed will and intellect, is what should be leading, you know, and paying attention to the feelings, but sub- subduing them in a proper hierarchy of how to live, right? Yeah. And so we flip that. And so all that to say, like, at the end of the day, uh, the Christian narrative is actually, no, we have a, a death problem that came from a sin problem. Uh, sin entered the world through the fall of man, and we are all born under a curse. That's actually the natural state of us. God created and he said it was good, but then we messed it up. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are all born under as sons and daughters of wrath. Like we are separated from God at our birth. But he did something about it through Jesus Christ, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now that that new identity as being apart from him that leads to a destiny of ultimate being apart from him has been flipped. Now we have a new identity in Jesus. We are now sons and daughters of God. 
Those of us who are baptized are baptized into the family of God. We have put on Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are a new creation. We've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the whole joy of the gospel is that your identity, which led to a destiny that was destruction, has now been transformed to a new identity that leads to salvation. So to your original point, if there's not an agreement that we have a fundamental identity problem that needs to be resolved, that needs to be redeemed, that needs to be transformed in Jesus. If there's not an agreement there, then yeah, the good news of the gospel doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's kind of like, well, why do I need a savior? Right. I, I have myself, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I can, I can make or it on government. my own or the government or to tear down the patriarchy. Exactly. Yeah, just rip yeah. down all the things that hold me hostage. Just, just tear it all down so that I can be fully who I think I need to be. And yeah. so, yeah, the the solution to that is not to um, accommodate that, honestly, is to keep speaking the truth about it. And a lot of times people aren't able to hear, at least in my experience, aren't able to hear the distinction that we're making until, unfortunately, there's often kind of a bottoming out of where everything they thought they could rely on mm-hmm. themselves, all this stuff, all the feelings have led them to a complete dead end. And they're going, oh, man, well, now what? and I'm miserable and I don't have what I, you know. And so it's unfortunate that a lot of times it takes, it seems like the modern mind to, to be kind of open to the possibility of God. It takes kind of some dramatic things. But um, so nobody wants that for people. But at the same time, a lot of people I know who are just like, don't tell me I need Jesus. Like I'm doing great. Yeah. And you're like, and it doesn't really work to be like, no, you're not. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're not doing great. Deep down, you're not, you know, like they're <laughs> like, like look, you know, yeah, screw yeah. you. Yes, I am. You <laughs> yeah. know, so, yeah. um, but so yeah, that was a kind of a long-winded way to yeah, get man. at what you're no asking. No objective truth. It's all subjective now. And mm-hmm. reality, only, your reality only exists if someone else acknowledges that it that exists, which mm. is just like, once you start picking that apart, it's kind of like, don't you see what you're saying makes yeah. no sense at all? Well, and then there's the whole absurdity of like, well, what if what if what you feel and believe is different than what I feel and believe? How do we... What's, yeah, what, what's true? Where, where, what do we turn to? You know, mm-hmm. And a lot of times our culture yeah. is just kind of like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just you do you. Yeah. And I'll do me and right, right. don't hurt me and don't and I won't hurt I won't hurt you and we'll be fine. It's mm-hmm. like well, that's yeah. not really how that works, you know. Yeah. What what would then be some of the pit, pitfalls with talking to youth in terms of they they can't acknowledge that there's objective truth and they're so focused on feelings and a lot of times people can be misled in their introduction to Christianity of you know, that encounter is that feeling, that initial feeling that's almost like overwhelming that oftentimes turns people to the faith. And, but they become so fixated on feeling that then that can be in and of itself. Sure. Like, they're like, wait, I don't feel that anymore. Or carried over into... Yeah, like that's not sustained. So yeah. then people, there's like a misconception about Christianity. It's like you find Jesus and then you're good. You have that feeling and you're good and you're set. And now your your faith is based strictly on feeling. Mm. So, um, you know, you, you, you feel the absence of God, then it's like, wait a minute, maybe it's not so real. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you, you kind of step away. It's like, then you're like, oh, I walked away and everything still feels the same. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so how, how do you navigate that with, with even people that are like so fired up but it's like, you don't want to be like, just wait, it's going to get worse. But you're almost like, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Celebrate that. But, yeah. you know, that, yeah. you know, almost don't uh, become too fixated sure. on that. Sure. Yeah. It's like somebody comes to like a Ray of Hope concert or something and really has a good time, right? And meets the Lord. Mm-hmm. And there's a mountaintop experience, which yeah. is really good. 
And that should be a thing that's worth celebrating, you know, and we should do those things for that exact purpose. Uh, or people do it at Steubenville conferences. There's all sorts of different things where people have this like strong encounter with the Lord that comes with strong feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's okay. That's that's actually one of the ways that we can cut through the, the noise of the world is because people are so governed by their feelings, if they actually encounter Jesus, because he's real and they can, when they do and they they have that sense, it's hard for them to deny. Right? Yes. So now though the question you're getting at is like the the doorway moment happens. They come to an array of hope concert, the music, everything just blows them away. They're like, Oh my gosh, God is real and he loves me. Now what? Kind of thing. And if the now what is well just keep just keep recreating that feeling, mm-hmm. that's a problem. And so the analogy is very similar to like marriage, which I understand that several of us around here have have recently embarked on, mm. uh, <laughs> where there's nothing more annoying to a young couple to be like, oh, you're in the honeymoon phase, but don't worry. Right. It'll bro. get worse. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, I hate that. It drives me nuts. Every show, yeah. every movie is yeah, just everything like, is about it's miserable. Yeah, yeah. right. And it, because yeah. we all know that it's not going to be the exact same for the next 60 years of your marriage. Like, n- yeah, nobody's naive enough to think that that's the case. <laughs> right. So, but why are you popping the bubble of the joy of that time, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, healthy couples are in the midst of that joy, building habits and patterns and rhythms and sustainable behaviors that will be able to kind of carry them when the inevitable feelings wax and wane. So the whole project of discipleship is this exact thing. Okay, you've met the Lord. You heard him say, come follow me. You dropped your nets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the next day look like? So Peter drops his nets. He starts to follow Jesus. He had to go to bed that night, right? Then he had to wake up the next morning and be like, oh man, what just happened? You know, I just walked away from my livelihood. Now what? And what the now what is to learn the life of Jesus. And so what does Jesus show him? It's like, this is how we pray. This is how we move. This is your new mission. This is, this is how we do community. The, the life of with the Lord is the whole point of discipleship. Uh, so evangelization being more like the initial proclamation, invitation, decision, and then discipleship being that, then that beautiful journey afterwards. And so you're hundred percent spot on. A lot of times, like when I'm working with uh, parishes or others, um, they'll want to do something like a big mountaintop experience. And that's really important. But I always ask the question, like, well, what if it works? Right. Mm. Right. And, yeah. and better yet, like when it works, what's going to happen next? Cause if you don't have a plan for the next, either you're going to just fall in the trap of keep recreating those things. Cause it seemed like it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're going to end up with a lot of kind of disenfranchised people who had some really real encounters with the Lord, but if there, if a lifestyle isn't attached to that, if new habits and virtues and behaviors aren't tied to that, well then, yeah, it, like a marriage that just is like, let's just recreate the wedding over and over again. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's it's expensive. Gonna, too. Yeah, it's <laughs> super expensive. Yeah, just, and really yeah. uncomfortable. Like, yeah. we want that. Though. Like, I mean, I like people, but that was a long day. Yeah, you know? <laughs> too, yeah, yeah, too many people. Yeah, so you many know? people. Like, you know? Keep inviting them over. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I don't uh, even know if I fit in my tux anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the blazer. Yeah, just the blazer. <laughs> 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 the fat guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting and and it's 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 daunting a little bit, um, but that that isn't that it's that's the answer that is important um, because then you're just chasing that high and, and you're, then you're ultimately chasing the wrong thing. It's like what you're after. You're not really after. 
and, uh, and that's the other thing too. Like, I'm, and I'm sure you guys do this at your events too, where to make it very explicit, we're not seeking a feeling. Mm-hmm. We're seeking Jesus. Right. And if feelings come with that, great. Yeah. And if they don't, great. Yeah. Whether or not you feel anything has no bearing mm-hmm. yeah. on whether or not it's real. Yeah. Like the God of the universe does not depend on our feelings to exist. Mm-hmm. So if you feel something, praise God, thank him for it. And if you don't feel anything, praise God, thank him for it. Yeah, and the yeah. saints have a ton of great teaching on this of just like when consolation comes, you enjoy it while it lasts, but you don't worship it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if everybody experiences that that moment, let's say, uh, say there is a moment, a conversion moment or a reversion moment, which I certainly had. And I know for a fact that uh, Jimmy, who's not here, is on his honeymoon, who will be editing this. Yeah. What's up, Jimmy? Way to go, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he Jimmy. certainly had one of those experiences and he talks about it very often. I wonder if everybody has that, I mean, it, that consolation moment. Like, have you heard any stories about anybody just kind of not having a feeling essentially when it comes to that? Hmm. Um, but they chose it anyway. Yeah, but they chose it anyway. Because mm. even like, like for for me, part of part of my reversion was the intellectual side, like reading, sure. yeah. uh, Lewis, Scott Hahn, a lot of the the people that uh, you know, our executive director Mario interviews on the podcast. Like hearing these people talk, it's like, whoa, man. But the in, even the intellectual can lead you to that feeling of like, I'm surrounded by God's love. But and and not to again, not not to focus on the feeling because God will take that away uh, perhaps to test to test you Um, but I I do think that it it usually is associated with a feeling you know because even even Father Steve uh, Father Steve and Delia is part of our vocation documentary he said you know I, I remember he got ordained I was like do you feel different father He's like, no, like grace is supernatural. Like, I, of course, it's a sacrament. Of course, I don't feel different. But my pastor was like, grace can invoke or evoke, invoke, evoke a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time, but I think it's important to remember that God did give us feelings. <clears throat> so just like, you know, there's colors and there's tastes and there's smells and there's sounds. Um, he gave us feelings that touch our hearts that I think are important. And like you said, don't, don't ignore them. Um, but don't rely on them. Um, but I'm just curious as to like, yeah, if, if there's those, those moments, especially in conversions and reversions where there's like, like, how do you not have a feeling? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I was actually listening to, uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, not, no surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the other day. And, um, they were. He was talking to Matt Frad about this kind of and the differences between oh, really? Judaism and Christianity, was, and, was and he they on both. Was the Aquinas? Um, I think Matt came on his show. Oh no way! Just for like a brief interview. Oh cool. Um, and it's cool because you know they they were both asking questions like, hey, I don't want to speak for you, but this is my understanding of what you believe in, and so oh, they sure, were kind yeah. of having a little uh, dialogue, a very positive one, constructive one. Um, and it wasn't like a dividing line, but Ben Shapiro was kind of bringing up that. That that very question, actually, funny enough, and saying that like it, the answer is more a little bit about like obedience and, and his his understanding of you know his living uh, his faith in Judaism is that you do the thing first and then you experience God later. So the importance of tradition, the importance of roles, 
it's not like sitting around waiting for that like lightning bolt of like, oh, I feel Jesus. Now I now I have to hold on to that and and now I believe enough to follow the Ten Commandments and follow follow the you know follow Jesus. Ben Shapiro was kind of saying like you we need roles. If you don't have roles and the freedom of like I'll do whatever I want, that's slavery. That's not freedom, right? Because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. there's yeah. inaction. A man, he said, like a man on, on a desert island, with with everything at his fingertips, is is not a free man. Um, mm -hmm. You need to have purpose. You need to have roles, and tradition and religion gives you that. And um, you may not get that like whew, that euphoric kind of release yeah. with religion, yeah, yeah. but it to what you were saying before also giving what's the game plan what's the lifestyle you start working out um you get a little bit of that runner's high or you just you don't have yeah i don't feel bloated you know like little things like that just by giving yourself something to do and structure and religion can give you that so maybe that's the answer of people that never feel that um yeah. that aha kind of moment it's like well this structure makes sense and it is an objective truth so yeah intellectually you can grab that perhaps. right so by following these simple simple rules um you know you can you can experience um Joy. peace and, peace, and peace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but i don't know if that's feel, feeling or no feeling i agree with you pete it's like you, you jesus has to be first yeah 100 percent. well and I, I would agree with everything that was just just, just said here i think the uh, scripture's full though of of references the, re the the analogy that's often used for our relationship with god is a a marital analogy sure yeah yeah Wedding so yeah. yeah the way love is described is is not just a intellectual pursuit or even a a a, a behavioral change but an intimacy a oneness a um uh, a holistic approach and as catholics we we really don't separate we try not to separate the spiritual from the physical it's like a we're we're our beings our human beings are both spiritual and corporal like there's a physical element but we we actually pour water on a baby you know <laughs> we don't just think there's something happening we yeah. demonstrate something happening the, mm -hmm. we actually consume bread that is no longer bread you know like so i think there's a way at which um there's a great deal of mystery as to kind of how feelings fit in at the same time though um there is still decision points that need to be made yeah and yep. uh i think ever I, I would like to suggest that everyone who's following jesus and trying to live with him has some story to share of how they've come to love him mm -hmm. and to follow him and if if they don't i would very gently and lovingly be like well, then let's talk about that. Because yeah. if, if, if the story is simply just, uh, well, I think this is the best way to live my life. That's good. That's not a bad thing. But there's more. Will it carry there's, you through? There's unequivocally more yeah. to the, the Catholic life than just following a set of rules, mm -hmm. checking a series of boxes because it rationally makes the most sense to you. Or it's like, I've come to this conclusion that, it, again, it would be like if that's how you approached your spouse. I've come to this conclusion that this is the best for our finances, this is the best for rearing children, and this is the best for me as a man to function is to be married to you. <laughs> like that that there's that all might actually be true, but there's still more there. It's not the whole truth. That's not the fullness yeah. of what we're mm -hmm. invited into. And so and then again I, I look at like um Galatians, when Paul lists the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things are have an internal reality right? 
but they're actually more of an external reality. Like, how do you know somebody's patient? Not just because they're thinking patient thoughts, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they live patiently, you yeah. know, yeah. or yeah. loving or joyful. or other. There's no question that in the, the Christian life, and this is not a personality trait. This is not, I'm an extrovert or an introvert. This is just like a human thing mm-hmm. that when the Holy Spirit is activated in people's lives and they, they start to live the, the, the Jesus life, that is the Catholic life, yeah. um, there are tangible things that are different about them. Mm. Again, not in the same way. Like how I express joy is not going to be the same as you. Mm. But people should still be able to, to, maybe they don't have the best words for it, but they should still be able to see something about you that's different because you're living in and from the Lord. Yeah. And again, so if that's not the case, then it's not a judgment. It's just an opportunity to say, well, maybe there's more. And mm-hmm. would you want more if there is? And, I, and most of the people I've ever met who are kind of like cradle Catholics or just like good kind of, you know, pull you up by the bootstraps Catholics of just I'm kind of grinning, bearing it kind of thing. Uh, most of mm-hmm. them really want more, but they're not quite sure what that looks like mm-hmm. uh, because it is it's a hard thing to do to just kind of just by the sweat of your brow live the Catholic life. Like there's a lot of the yeah. things that are hard to do. It's hard to do even with like the joy of the Lord is your strength. I can't even imagine doing it if that that's not the case, you know? And I think that harkens to what I heard you talk about in that video, which is community and mission. But mm-hmm. before we get there, um, Alanis, did you, I know you had a couple questions, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. fire some of those off? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> um, is it specifically with your mission with ID? Mm-hmm. Um, I know a big part of that, I, I guess the sole part of it is building up those missionary disciples. Is that something that you believe um, like every Catholic is called to, to be a leader? Mm. Or do you think that's like a specific call for certain people? Um, as you were talking, I, I was reminded of Gideon um, yeah. in the Bible. and I love Gideon. <laughs> he like Yeah, he was the weakest in his family, though. And so I was just like reflecting on that. Sorry, I'm such an internal processor and so much happens in here, but I don't vocalize it. But um, yeah, do you think, and then like the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said like, you are a mighty warrior. So do you think that it's it's a call just for certain people or um, or just like certain temperaments? Because when I think of a leader, I think choleric, right? Like a very just like stern person. I don't think my charisms necessarily align with that. But yeah, what do you, do you find that that's something that everyone is called to as Christians mm. to be a leader? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably make a little distinction. Uh, I, I think everyone is called to be a missionary disciple yeah. in the sense of everyone is called to, by nature of our baptism, Second Vatican Council tells us we have two calls on our life, the universal call to holiness and the universal call to mission. That's not my idea. That's what the church teaches. The universal call to holiness, the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Fundamentally, mm-hmm. we're called to grow and become Jesus. You know, Thomas Aquinas, God became man so that we could become God. I don't even yeah. know what he means by that, but that's awesome, right? <laughs> holiness. So yeah. the virtue and the, the 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 who Jesus is in his holiness becomes ours through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we are also called to go make disciples. Um, uh, the thing is, though, I, I don't believe we're all called to make disciples in the exact same way. Sure. As St. Paul talks about, I think it's in Corinthians, where he's like, we're not all hands, we're not all feet, we're not all mouths, we're not, we all have, there's a, he says, to each is given a portion of the Spirit, he says in Corinthians, mm. but not the same portion. So some prophesy, some, you know, he lists a whole bunch of different charisms and gifts that yeah. each of us through our baptism and confirmation have been equipped mm-hmm. to play our role, to be part of the the community that is on mission together. Mm-hmm. And too often we think of mission um, as an individual sport. It's like tennis, right? Like every time, like I have to hit the ball back every time. Like every time somebody asks a question, my, the, 
somebody coming to faith is entirely on me. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is not the case. It's, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's better to think of it as football or basketball where we all have a role to play. Not the same role. Not even this. I mean, some of us are just in the trenches blocking. Some get to be the quarterback. You know, like how that plays out is the spirit's decision. Our job is to cooperate with that. Mm-hmm. So, so fundamentally, I, I believe all of us as as disciples uh, and missionary disciples, even just kind of a redundant to be a disciple is to be on mission. We're just <laughs> yeah. emphasizing a particular part that sure. seems to have been lost. Mm. In terms of leadership, um, I, I I do I do believe that everyone is a leader in some regard, even if they're just leading themselves. Hmm. Because one of the definitions of leadership is is helping people or yourself get from here to there. Where am I right now? Where do I need to get to? And how do I, how do I make that journey, right? And so everybody is at least, at the very least, leading themselves and, and in cooperation with the Holy Spirit in that regard. And then clearly some other people have been both given the gifts and the opportunities and the doorways to lead in I don't want to say more significant ways, but in a, a diversity of ways that is more of the traditional understanding of leadership that we would talk about. You know, I'm I'm the the head of this group. You know, I'm the boss of the company. Or, yeah. but everybody, uh, I would, I, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever met anyone that doesn't have some avenue to express leadership mm. in some regard. Mm. And I've come to the conclusion that the to in order for disciples to be made. We need spirit-filled leaders. Those, that's a necessary thing for environments to be created where people can become disciples. Um, when I look at like Jesus's model of evangelization or whatever, it was like, yeah, he did a lot of things. He preached a lot. He healed a lot of people. I, I, that's all very true. But his main leave behind, if you will, was a bunch of men and women who were, had learned how to be him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then through Pentecost, were actually empowered to do it. And then everywhere they went, they did the same thing. They taught people how to live like Jesus, and then they prayed with them to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that is what the church is doing. And the the sacraments are all part of this framework, this beautiful supernatural framework to help us become Jesus and to recreate him in others. And we've just, we identifying spirit-filled leadership as like a particular role within that framework that seems to be necessary in order for that to to happen. Yeah, I know. So your uh, renewal in general, it's really rooted in the spirit. It's focused and centered on the Holy Spirit, which I love just like the Mm. promptings of of the Holy Spirit. And I was listening to your podcast about, um, it was titled, Is the Spirit Dormant Within You, Living Dormant Within Mm. You? And that resonated so deeply within me. As I was going down that list, I'm like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is dormant within me. And I've heard it being equated to like a gift, like by virtue of our baptism, by our confirmation, like we've been given this gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells within each of us, but none of us take the initiative of opening that gift. And there's so much that the Holy Spirit wants to uh, do in us and through us. Um, but... Yeah, I was just curious about what your experiences with, like, especially as we approach Pentecost, is that something that you've always had such a sensitivity to, or like, what what has been your journey with, um, I guess, recognizing the forgotten person of the yeah, of the yeah, Trinity? yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I I was blessed to re- be raised in a community and in a home where the Holy Spirit was very much uh, an active protagonist in in our life. Um, yeah, both my parents were very uh, open in the spirit and very willing to to talk about him and to challenge my brother and I to 
to respond to him as we would respond to the father and the son as well. I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was just part of the, the stew that I was stewed in. Um, and you know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of labels that could be thrown around of being charismatic or whatever. And a lot of times I find those unhelpful because they generally just mean a stereotype of, of, of a a ribbon dancing particular style of music. That Mm -hmm. means every Catholic is charismatic. That's what the the church has always taught. And what, what we mean by that is not because you like a particular type of music or anything. It's because we're full of charisms that are given to us through the Holy Spirit. I mean, there is nothing more traditional than to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Like that is the most traditional version of Catholicism because we started on Pentecost, like the birthday of the church is Pentecost. So to be a Pentecostal Catholic and and really throw things in the is like... (laughs) That's what it means to be Catholic, because that's where the church was born, was on uh, was on Pentecost. And there's nothing in the teaching of the church that suggests that the particular, the grace that was unleashed on Pentecost stopped with them. It, it's the why confirmation exists, yeah, right? It's to yeah. confirm and to release uh, the gift of the Spirit that we receive at our baptism. And so a lot of people, I think, get so caught up in well, I'm I'm an introvert, or I I don't really like this, or I like to pray this way, or yeah. and that's all. That's great. That's fine. That's I'm not I'm not here to convince you that you should like worship music, or I'm not here to convince yeah. you that you should all of a sudden be like a street preacher. Like that's <laughs> not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. What it means to be filled with the Spirit is ultimately uh, to be surrendered and obedient to what He wants to do, not what I want to do. I mean, there's nothing more prideful in a, the heart of a Christian than to look God in the eye and say. Uh, I don't want that gift because it makes me uncomfortable mm. or like I'm open to anything you want to do, Lord, except that yeah. like that is, that is a really dangerous position to be in. Cause that is very, very prideful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what I would, uh, what I've learned, I guess in my life and what we try to help people do is just to be, uh, trusting that God is good. Mm. So every gift that he gives is good. Um, everywhere he leads is good. Um, and so to learn how to cooperate with the Spirit is just a fundamental part of the, the, the life of being a disciple. And so for me, yeah, I, I had just lots of really profound experiences of God from a very early age. I mean, I, I really kind of the, the release of the Spirit in my life, I guess, was I was like eight and a half years old, you know. Mm. Mm. So uh, and it's just been this uh, ever-present part of my walk with Jesus is like I just— and I'm not great at it in the sense of I, I, I only really want to do what the Spirit's leading me to do. And do I only do that? No, of course not. Like, I can probably think of 10 instances already today that I like, <laughs> wasn't where I was supposed to be or not doing what the Lord's asked me to do. But um, that is just a fundamental part of what I think it means to, to follow Jesus, is to be led by the Spirit. I think, I think it's interesting to reflect on maybe something I heard Bishop Barron reflect on and uh, I think one of his rosaries I used to I haven't in a while but I used to pray along with his rosary on Spotify or whatever and in one of the reflections I think it was the descent of the Holy Spirit mystery he's talking about like when the Holy Spirit is in your life you are not in control mm-hmm. and again not not to go back to feelings or talking about feelings or relying on feelings but like sometimes sometimes you can you can feel that or discern that or tell that like Wow, like in that moment right there when I did this or that, I was not in control. Mm. You know, or when I said this or that, I, I was not in control. And so that's not all the time, but I think maybe it's important to 
to look out for those moments because it is grace to be able to uh, realize that um, you know a, a certain thing you said or a certain way you treated someone, a corporal act of mercy was completely beyond your own ability, completely beyond your own will. Um, and to, yeah, to be able to recognize that is certainly a grace. Um, yeah, so I mean, the saints actually talk about, uh, and this sounds pretty radical, but being like possessed by the Holy Spirit yeah, yeah, yeah. in, yeah. in a different way than an evil spirit, which, you know, like in the corner of the room with your head spinning around, you know, like right. not, not the exorcism type <laughs> of thing, because the difference is, is like when an evil spirit possesses you, you lose yourself, you lose, you become the worst version of, you know, you're, you're deconstructed, I yeah. guess is a better way to put it. And when you're when you give over to the Holy Spirit, you become exactly who you're supposed to be. You become fully yourself. Wow. And he's such a gentle God. Like, yes, he's you're giving over control so that he can actually in many ways like kind of give it back to you and work with you and cooperate with you, you know? Wow. And it's so uh to to be led by the Spirit is such a great peace because it's it's a it's a posture of like, um, my life is yours, which is just such a freeing way to live as opposed to like my life is my own and I have to like protect it and figure it out and yeah, navigate yeah. it. And then, and be like, Lord, it's actually your job to get me where I need to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, if you want me to, if you need me to course correct, like vocations, young adults are always about vocation. Who do I marry? Blah, 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 yeah, right? yeah. This is a really real thing. That's a very, very real thing. But like, a lot of times the old adage, you can't move a parked car, right? Like you have to just move and just trust that if the spirit is, if you've surrendered to him and you're, you're, you're trying to do the right things and to follow him and you're, you're in loving relationship with him, that he's going to direct your path and to just be freed up on that and to let him, let him lead and to not angst over every little thing to how does this fit? Is it the right? Right. Thing, you know? Right. Just trust that he's in control and then he'll yeah, cause he's good. everything. Yeah. Cause he's good. Amen. Um, last question I have, the, the logo of Renewal Ministries is the Kairos cross. Is that, am yeah, I correct Jerusalem on that? cross, yeah. The Jerusalem cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just remember going on a Kairos retreat in high school and they gave us those crosses. Hmm. Um, I completely forget the history behind it though. Can you maybe... Yeah, I don't even know if I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Kairos is. I have to a, cut that out of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, no, real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's the Jerusalem cross. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such an interesting cross. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was explained to me one time. But I'm sure there's deep meaning to it. Yeah. Kairos cross. Let's see what, what uh, Google gives us here. ChatGPT. This is where we need like a Joe Greek Rogan's symbol. Yeah, like guy Jamie. Yeah. 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 AB. 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 Pull it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Off <AB's> camera. <laughs> yeah. We'll get him a remote mic for the yeah. next one. Oh, that'd be awesome. We should do that. You'll be a star. Yeah. <laughs> what you've always wanted. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so cool, man. Um, I think, I think I'm good, man. It's really been awesome. Yeah. Thank you, you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, this was great. Yeah. Thanks for what you guys are doing. We're trying, man. We're trying. Just trying to be cool. Trying to be cool. We're cool. Just don't say you're trying to be cool. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Cut that out, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. You can try to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything that you want to hit our audience to that you're working on? Any speaking engagements that you have coming up? Yeah. Um, or just um, renewal ministry stuff that you want to? Sure. Yeah. To? If you want to learn more about renewal ministries, you can go to uh, renewalministries.net. Uh, as referenced earlier, I do have a podcast. It's called Spirit-Filled Leadership Podcast. It's short. It's about 15 to 18 minutes uh, every other week. Yeah, just to try to get the word out, you know? Yeah, man. Amazing. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank you again, Pete. All right, y'all. Well, um, 
Thanks again, P, for being here. We'll catch you next time on A Reason for Hope Candid. Peace. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of A Reason for Hope Candid. We're happy to be a part of your faith journey. Stay connected with us by following us on your favorite social media platform at R4H Podcast. That's letter R, number four, letter H Podcast. And subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the video footage of this episode. See the show notes for additional resources. Until next episode, peace be with you.